Hey. hey. You're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast. Where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Thanks so much for joining us again. My name's Amelia and today we have a very interesting guest on the show. We've got Tara Sharma, one of the co-directors of Gem Med Academy and Recruitment. I'm so looking forward to hearing about what all of that is. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you very much, Amelia. Very happy to be here. Always a good start. I was wondering if we could begin with you telling us a little bit about what is your job. Absolutely. So I founded a business with a co-director at the beginning of this year called GemMed Academy and Recruitment. And we are a training platform through the academy and then a recruitment company, a boutique specialist recruitment company for the med tech industry. That's pretty cool. So how did this come about? Like that's a pretty interesting thing. Like as you said, it's boutique, it's quite unusual. How have you ended up creating this this business? That's a great question, Amelia, because it hasn't been a kind of set path from being at school. So when I was at school, I loved the sciences, particularly I loved um, biology and human biology. But I also really enjoyed English and English literature and, and some of the more kind of creative and artsy subjects. You know, there was a lot of pressure to, to know what you wanted to do as a degree from quite a young age. And I, I grew up in the UK. So I think from 15, actually, we needed to make that decision because you did your GCSEs over there. And then, you know, at that point, you're probably quite influenced by parents and other people around you. So I ended up picking physiotherapy as a degree. And to be honest, probably didn't fully understand what that was (laughs) and went to do a physiotherapy degree. And look, I, I love learning. So I did enjoy it. But there were bits I probably really struggled with with it. But I persevered and and eventually became a physiotherapist. Um, I went pretty much straight to university and became a physiotherapist and and then started working and specialised actually in neurological rehabilitation. So people who had head injuries or strokes or spinal cord injuries and rehabilitating them. So it was really rewarding and I actually ended up loving it. But I'd always been very interested in, in sort of the business side of things as well. And I was always coming up with projects and ideas and ways to kind of come up with innovative new ways to do things. And treating people was amazing and doing the actual treatments. But I kind of was looking for something a bit more. I ended up working as a physio for eight years in the UK. And then I moved to Singapore and worked as a physio there for a year. And in Singapore, it's very difficult for me to work in neurological rehabilitation. I had to work in kind of an outpatient department. So people coming in with knee injuries or hip injuries. And it just wasn't my passion. I was so, you know, involved in that neuro rehab space that I started to really not enjoy my job for the last year of being a physiotherapist. And it wasn't a very nice feeling like, you know, you're working with people and you think you should be really passionate and proactive and I found myself more and more looking at kind of business proposals for this particular practice and finding ways they could grow their business and extend their reach. And I became more interested in that. Then I moved to Australia and in Australia to become a physiotherapist here 
even if I've been a physio in the UK, I had to go through a period of sitting exams. Mm. So during that, yeah, for like 12 months or something, I think it can take. So I already wasn't super passionate about physio by this point and thought, I'll just see what other job I can find and really fell into a job in the med tech industry um, for a rehab company, uh, looking after a portfolio of rehab equipment and actually selling to physiotherapists and sports physicians and doctors. And, you know, I didn't really know what this job was and I didn't really know what sales was and thought all sorts of kind of negative connotations, but I absolutely loved it. And it was really about consulting and talking to physiotherapists and what were their challenges and what kind of patients did they treat and what might they be able to use that would help them with their practice. Trying to make a long story short, (laughs) I then worked in the med tech industry, kind of grew my way up from being, being a sales rep up to a national business development manager for a very interesting, highly technical end of the med tech industry in spinal surgery, particularly for pediatrics, so for children. And it was absolutely fascinating. It was exciting. It was dynamic, rewarding. And I did that. I came to the country in 2012. And I still do a little bit of that. But now I have a real passion for helping people to career transition, but also helping people learn about this industry because it's it's fascinating. And I think it's really underknown. And so we set up GenMed Academy to help people to actually train and develop and enter the industry, but also professionally develop within it. And then we actually recruit people into positions for companies too. So a bit of a long story. (laughs) It's a long story, but it's a fantastic one. I just want to touch on, I thought it was really interesting what you said about the negative connotations, like in the assumptions that we have about sales and salespeople. I think that's incredibly common. And we all sort of have this image in our head of a used car salesman who's like trying to push things on people. Absolutely. And ultimately a lot of things, and particularly what you're talking about here, is you're trying to solve a problem. And through that process of sales, you're actually helping people achieve something that they wouldn't have been able to achieve without that sales process. And I think that that can be lost and that kind of needs to be highlighted a bit too. Sales isn't this kind of like dirty thing. No, it's absolutely true, Amelia. And I think, you know, I was very lucky to start in an area I knew. I knew physiotherapy, so I could really connect on a level that was authentic and with integrity. And, you know, when I moved into spinal surgery, I realized it was the same. You know, my process of discovery, yes, there's definitely a sales process there in terms of actually getting an appointment in the first place to be able to speak to a surgeon is incredibly difficult and requires a process and determination. But once you do, it's really a journey of fact finding and discovery about that person and what they need and what their challenges are with their patients and their surgery. And there's just so much innovative tech that happens out there that, you know, you're bringing a solution that that really genuinely helps with the outcome of their patients' lives. And I think you've got to be really believe in what you're selling. And, you know, it, it all has to have be backed by science um, and, you know, have results. But I think it's just incredibly interesting to be able to go on that journey with a surgeon and that the process of sales I have is really about being a consultant and a very consultative process. And I think that's a a really lovely way of doing it. And it also means it's really sustainable for you too. Absolutely. Yeah. 
For people who are listening and might not be aware, are you able to give a brief overview of what MedTech actually is? Absolutely. It's such a, yeah, nobody really knows what that is. So the MedTech industry is actually a huge industry and it covers medical devices that are used in healthcare settings. And then pharmaceuticals is another area of the MedTech industry. And effectively, a medical device is something that's used to either, you know, facilitate surgery or is used as an implant in surgery or to improve somebody's health or used in a hospital environment or ward environment. So, for example, the products I was supporting and selling in spinal surgery were implants that are put into the paediatric patient's spine that have scoliosis and to help to rebalance and address that patient's scoliosis and improve their stability and and posture. So it's very broad and varied. You know, that's one division of it is spine. There's so many different divisions. You think about somebody going for a hip replacement. There's multiple hip implant companies that have different types of innovative implants through to PPE and what we've all just, you know, needed to use with masks and, and all the sorts of things through COVID. They're provided by medtech companies. Because honestly, when you say medtech, my mind immediately assumes that it's like the screens and maybe the MRI scanners and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and Amelia, everything and anything that's in a hospital or in a hospital environment has come from somewhere and been bought from somewhere. And yes, there's comp- everything that's in there will be bought from a medtech company, from the MRI scanners through to the bucket, you know, that's in the in the bathroom, through to, uh, you know, a, a highly sophisticated implant that goes into a patient's body, down to kind of the gloves that somebody uses or tape and gels and, and kind of consumables. So you can imagine that's really broad and, and varied and, and large. Well, it's, it's everything that kind of keeps our healthcare system functioning, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, I just never used to think where those things came from, even when I worked as a physiotherapist. So it's a huge, huge industry. And I'm very glad we have you on the show to provide a little window into it. (laughs) Okay, So you're working in quite a fascinating industry. Are you able to give us a bit of an idea of what an average day, if there is such a thing, what an average day at work looks like for you? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think this is what's great about, you know, if I talk about one of the entry level roles into a specialist technical role, like I was doing where you're supporting surgery, it would be something like a sales associate or clinical support specialist. So effectively, your role is to make sure that the surgeon has the equipment, the implants and instruments they need to do the surgery, that everything's there and ready before the day of surgery that the hospital have have checked everything and sterilised everything ready to be used in theatres. And then you're actually in surgery more often than not with a lot of the higher technical piece of equipment because although the surgeon is a specialist at that, you know, pathology and that procedure, there's so many different implants and instruments out there for any one procedure that the, the clinical support specialist or rep needs to be the specialist in that actual kit so you would turn up, you would check everything's there and everything's ready. You would go into, into the theatre, into surgery and help the scrub tech make sure they've got everything set up um, in the sterile field and ready for the surgery. You are not in the sterile field. That's a misconception. You, 
you're standing outside of the sterile field, so you're not touching anything. So you need really good skills in how to describe, how to pick something up, how to put it together, how to turn it 90 degrees, how to kind of troubleshoot. So you'll get everything ready with the nurse. And then the whole goal is that you understand that surgical procedure. You know what the surgeon is doing so that you're two steps ahead of them all the time and that you can make sure the nurse is, is ready to hand something over almost before they ask for it. And that just really helps with the flow and the speed of surgery for the surgeon, because obviously time under anaesthetic is, is, you know, the less, the better. And then, you know, also, if there's any kind of troubleshooting or something isn't quite working or there needs to be ways around something, then really you're that go to person to say, OK, well, we could try this. It's in the kit. Or how about we have this? And so you actually have to be really pessimistic, which sounds bizarre, but in your head, you have to be thinking before anything happens, what can go wrong and what's my plan for when it goes wrong? So it's a very interesting mix of skills you need. You also really need to be able to read a room. You know, the, the surgeons are operating and they're concentrating and you need to be able to communicate, but only at the right point. You need to be able to be quiet when they're concentrating. You need to be able to kind of use that emotional intelligence to read the room, but also be able to speak up and um, be ready when they need you. Um, and then during the surgery, you're recording everything that's being used, any special tips and tricks. And then it's that kind of admin piece afterwards that you send all that recorded usage back to your to your logistics department at your company and to the relative people within the hospital so that everything can be kind of accounted for and charged for. And then, yeah, you might be off in the afternoon to see a surgeon that you've been waiting about six months to get an appointment with and and starting a sales process with that surgeon later in the afternoon you might be doing a big in-service training it's called with a group of nurses on your product and practicing with sore like plastic sore bones and teaching them the surgical steps so that when they're actually in the real surgery they're kind of ahead of the curve and feel confident so it's very broad and very mixed so you can never get bored <laughs> No, and my mind is actually blown that you're in there. Like I know. Most sales processes, like you sell the thing and then it's up to the person how they want to use yeah. it, whereas you're actually yeah. following that item right to the end of its journey where it sort of like peaks. Absolutely. Like it it really does, Amelia. Like the, the these particular roles are very nuanced and it takes a real mix of that kind of technical aptitude, then clinical understanding communication and also you know being able to stay calm under pressure communicate very clearly during surgery have that kind of very three-dimensional technical view which you don't necessarily have all of that when you get in there but you, you definitely develop it by the end of it. So at the moment you're also in the process of kind of helping people enter this industry how how are you going about doing that because I feel like when people reply to a job advert, they might not be assuming that that's what's lying ahead for them. Absolutely. And you're so right. So by the time I kind of finished and before I set this GemMed recruitment company up, I was a hiring manager myself and I had a national team. And, you know, there were common problems that happened that on paper, someone looked like they roughly had the, the kind of background and skills and attributes that they needed to learn. But there wasn't really an education pathway into the industry. And often people came in with 
they didn't have full you know understanding of what the role entailed and maybe the expectations varied so we've developed um GemMed academy which gives like a baseline course to teach people what it probably took took us three years to learn. And I'm not talking about the products because the companies do that very well, their product training. Um, I'm talking about that kind of soft skills needed to navigate a role and really the ins and outs of what the roles are, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know. You know, often you can be stood in theater for eight hours and not be able to eat that whole time. And, and you know, it can be really long hours for some areas of the industry. and bizarre hours too if a surgeon's operating through till night well you're going to be there through till night but but you really want to be kind of focused on the patient and getting a good outcome for the patient so we really screen people to make sure that they understand what the role is and what it entails and then help them develop the soft skills they need to be able to execute on that role in the industry so that's something we're really passionate about raising the professional and professional development of the industry and giving a pathway into the industry is our ultimate goal and then once people are in the industry we've actually designed various onboarding programs and and even kind of different courses on different areas of the industry such as spine or bariatrics or wound care so therapeutic area courses uh, we run a lot of webinars and professional development um, education sessions so if people want to come along and learn about it and hear from people working in the industry they can and we have a lot of that information in our academy and on our website and then we actually work very closely with specific companies within the industry to identify who they're looking for who they want to add to their clinical support and sales teams and we help them find candidates then to to kind of go into those roles so it's a very niche area we're working in Definitely, but it also sounds like there was quite a gap in the industry as well. Definitely, Amelia. I think, you know, it's just, it's funny, you know, for such a intense and nuanced industry that, that the fact that there isn't really a degree or, a you know, any kind of specific education that you can do to learn how to be a medical rep really did confuse me. Coming from a background in physio where it's so structured, I, I really saw a gap as did my business partner. Um, and I think as well, you know, even that kind of onboarding piece and making sure you're, you're learning everything you need on a weekly basis. Sometimes, you know, you can be in a, a team that are really busy and they're covering their own cases and trying to hit their sales goals. And that kind of mentorship isn't always there and it isn't always consistent. I think as well, once you're in the industry, then learning a really good sales style that's relevant to medical devices and you know learning leadership skills and all of those soft skills their courses we have because we really felt like there was a gap and I think as well a gap in recruiters in the industry actually having done the roles themselves I think that's just one of the key things that we really differentiate ourselves with our company. It sort of sounds like you're now getting to really scratch that business itch which you were like starting to investigate when you're in Singapore Yes. Do you miss being with patients? You know, Amelia, that's such a good question because I, I thought I would, but I really think I did it. I did it for nine years. You know, I didn't just do a year and I really got to treat so many amazing patients. I got to work in so many different 
environments, so many different teams and hospitals that I don't. I feel like I'm contributing to patient care, but in a really different way. I think I'm still incredibly patient outcome focused and care about improving people's health um, and finding ways to help people to do that without actually being the kind of end user delivering that to the client. So I don't. That's cool. That's cool. Is there, before we get back to the script, is there a specific piece of technology that you're particularly excited about? Oh, there's so many pieces of technology I'm excited about. <laughs> um, I think the world of robotics obviously is here and, and here to stay. And I think, you know, that will continue to improve. And I don't think it'll ever replace what a person and a surgeon can do and the decisions that they make. But I think it's an adjunct to what they do. I think their world of AI is very interesting and certain, certainly finding a place within the industry now. And I think um, that's going to be a very interesting space to watch. And I think the other thing is post-COVID, where a lot of manufacturing and R&D has happened overseas, certain companies are moving that here. So that's exciting for engineering. You know, that there haven't been as many opportunities in this country, but I think the fact that they'll be able to own a lot more of those processes here and, and COVID will have kind of expedited that is a real positive. I hadn't even thought about that. That's really awesome. Yeah. It'll hopefully create jobs, you know, in the future, which is great. It is. Are you able to give us like any tidbits about how AI might be coming into the industry? Uh, yeah, look, it's very interesting with AI and it's in its infancy and it's kind of early technology coming in. But currently, you know, surgeons and health practitioners make decisions based on where they've trained, what they've learned, the evidence to date, the evidence they've kind of kept up to date with for a particular indication. And they're specialists in what they do and they've seen a lot of patients. But the kind of role to play with AI in terms of a particular clinical presentation and being able to compare that to millions of people's data or thousands of people's data rather than just that person's experience of these sorts of patients and pathologies and presentations, I think is, is really fascinating. The other area that's absolutely fascinating is patient-specific and 3D-printed technology is, is amazing too. That's a real development area currently and even you know for the last couple of years. I am a big fan of a, a good 3D printed solution. <laughs> Absolutely. Have there been any key events, aha moments, anything like that, that's really sort of like helped you on this journey to being where you are now? Yeah, look, some of it's with hindsight and some of it is still happening now as I really am in the in the process of, you know, building and growing a company, having only launched at the beginning of this year. So I think... The one thing, you know, the aha moment I've maybe had with hindsight is I believe if you're unhappy in something in a role, then it's you've got to change. Like, I don't believe that you have to be in one career for the rest of your life. And I think you can really tailor make your career and you can draw on your experience and then keep narrowing it and narrowing it and narrowing it to find something super niche and specific that you are maybe one of the only people that can fill that niche. I think, you know, other aha moments are when, certainly with this company, I feel like I'm filling a need that, that was lacking when I was in the industry. You know, I wanted more training. I wanted more structure. 
when I was a hiring manager, I wanted a better recruitment process. So I think having those aha moments to say, wow, you know, let's create something that's missing is, is really cool. I love that. I think the other thing is, you know, that moment when I realized sales was not <laughs> selling used cars that have been clocked. You know, sales is really this amazing, I think, incredible consultative process and people should be proud of being salespeople. It's incredibly difficult. You have to really plan, be strategic, but you need to be able to listen. You need to be able to care and have empathy for people. You need to be able to get inside their mind and have really tap into that emotional intelligence and, and being able to kind of think and be creative on the spot too. So I think I hope the sales profession continues to kind of be become more um, respected. I think that'd be a great thing for for everyone because that'll just result in more and more awesome salespeople coming through. Absolutely. That's really cool. And I think also there is no point in staying in a career that isn't bringing you joy anymore. Like sometimes you need to Marie Kondo your uh, your career as well as your house. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree with you, Amelia. And I think life's too short. You know, it's a, it's a cliche, but it's true. And I think there's nothing worse than waking up and not wanting to go to work. And I remember that transition from moving to that last year of physio to waking up to go to something that really motivated me. And it was brilliant. Like I loved it. And I'm passionate about helping people move from that kind of stuck place into this kind of industry. And it definitely attracts people with certain backgrounds and education backgrounds and skill sets that are transferable. And it it doesn't matter what you're doing, how you're spending your time, but you will be developing transferable skills that will benefit you, like in a career shift, something like that. There's a whole lot of stuff that you can bring for your, your past career. You're not you're not just throwing it all out the window. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I don't looking back, I think it was really scary for me to change from physio. And I honestly remember thinking oh, but you know, all these years and all of that that I learned at university and I didn't actually have a, anyone to help me with that transition. Like I wish Gem Med had existed then to help me navigate that. But, you know, I, I'm so glad I did it. And you're right. Everything you learn is transferable to so many different industries. You mentioned earlier about like waking up in the morning and not being enthusiastic about going to work. What is it that gets you enthusiastic now? What is it that yeah, helps you bounce out of bed and go, let's do this. Look, I think now with my current role, I've always been, and maybe not even realised, very creative and entrepreneurial. And I think for me, this is mixing that blend of the science and art that I always wanted. And I know when I was hiring people into my team, I looked for, and we termed it or coined it, intrapreneurial. So they've got that spirit and that they want to create, they want to find a way to make something better. They they want to pro solve problems. They're not going to take no for an answer. They're going to find ways around something and be strategic. And I think, you know, being able to do that when you're employed, you know, effectively sales roles in med tech, you know, you own your own territory, but you'll have the backing and support of a business and, and leaders and mentors. You know, now I'm doing it on our own or me and my co-director it's a bit different but I feel like I can draw from that experience so I think it's being able to be creative again and and genuinely solve people's problems that's such an awesome motivator to have yeah if there's any young people listening is there any advice you'd like to give them if they're interested in a career 
particularly in the medtech industry? Absolutely. I think, look, there are a specific kind of set of, you know, background and skills that we look for in the industry. There's also a couple of places they can go to find out more information and, and certainly get in touch. But so there is the MTAA, which is the Medical Technology Association of Australia. And so people can go to that website and there's a lot of information and training on there. Obviously, our GenMed Academy is a resource of information too, and there's lots of free webinars and blogs and things on there. I think the other thing to consider is, you know, we usually look for people with some kind of related degree. So some sort of science degree or engineering or allied health like me coming from physiotherapy or, you know, any of the allied health professions, nursing. And we actually definitely um, in some sectors look for sales professionals who've got sales skills but don't necessarily know the clinical side. And there's benefits to both. So I think if they know this is an area they want to get into from that kind of age, you could really start to carve out this skill set so that by the time you've finished, you know, your studies, you've already got some sales experience and some health and you've been and, you know, done some courses, additional courses, had a mentor, attended webinars. There's, there's so much that people could be proactively doing. And I do believe this is the way it will become. That's awesome. So it's really about if this is tickling your fancy start investigating it see what there is to see start yeah start investigating it and we can help connect people with mentors too you know and learn from people in the industry currently and you know we use some psychometric testing too which looks at different skills but really at that age it's about investigating exploring talking to people having a look at what these different skills soft skills mean how do we develop them because they can all be developed you know, what do I naturally like? And yeah, go on a kind of journey of exploration. I love that idea. And now what about if you've got someone, they're already in a career, but they're interested in retraining, maybe pivoting into this kind of this kind of work? Absolutely. And look, again, you know, there's obviously clinical support and sales roles. And, and they we do specifically look for people with, you know, those health, science or related backgrounds sales people with sales experience too but within the medtech industry i mean it's the corporations as any others so there's marketing roles there's customer service there's logistics warehouse um, operations regulatory and so you know there's a lot of different roles within the sector so i know a lot of people that have transitioned into medical you know, HR professionals and talent acquisitions have moved from other companies but into the med tech industry and find it absolutely fascinating because, again, they didn't know, you know, what was happening and the kind of innovation that was happening and how things are really genuinely helping patient outcomes. So it's absolutely an industry that can be transitioned into. That's awesome. And we'll make sure that there is a link to Gem Med Academy as well in the show notes so that people can check it out if they're interested. Yeah, absolutely. We'd be really happy to help. Is there anything that you wish the general public understood or knew more about MedTech? Yeah, look, I think I think it would be, you know, we're very passionate about raising the awareness of the industry. One, so that we're continually building a pool of people that realise that it exists as a career option. And it is an absolutely fantastic career option. You know, it's so dynamic and motivating. And, 
you're doing something, yes, you're in a corporate setting, but you really feel like you're actually helping people. Um, I think as well, you know, the medtech industry contributes to so much research and funding and there's so much innovation that is genuinely helping people to to live longer and to live healthier and and kind of have better outcomes from surgeries and you know prevent infection and all sorts that you know I think it's an industry that really deserves celebrating it's an industry that improves people's lives and it really contributes to the economy and it's you know, I really wish that people knew that. And we definitely want to fly the flag to to raise its profile out there. That's awesome. Do you, do you ever get people associating it with kind of the negative ideas around big pharma? You know, that's an interesting question, Amelia. I actually haven't had that. Um, most people that I've spoken to, A, first of all, they say, sorry, what do you do? You, you go into surgery and they don't understand. And it can be really difficult to explain that and I think sometimes it makes them concerned that well hang on you know uh, shouldn't the shouldn't the surgeon be in control but they are completely in control you're really there as a the kind of technical support so I guess it's like the car racing driver is the one that's going to race that car and win the race but you still need a mechanical team around you to support everything running as smoothly as possible you know and I think that's one thing that happens I haven't had much negativity, I have to say. Um, but that's not to say that we don't hear things and you hear about product recalls, but I think it's a very heavily regulated industry. And, you know, I've been part of processes where everything is very strongly and ethically regulated. So, you know, people do do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I've only ever worked with companies that 100% do the right thing. And so I've been fortunate not to kind of come across that negative negative connotation with the, the med tech industry. That's really good to hear because I, I do just love this idea that you can be involved in what is genuinely like cutting edge technology and be helping people. Like I love that you can do both. You don't have to choose. It, exactly. No, it's absolutely incredible. And like that exhilarating feeling of, actually helping a surgeon it, there's nothing like it and and it depends you know you've got to be really into anatomy and biology but I love watching surgery and that's not for everybody but I, it's absolutely fascinating it's incredible the outcomes they get so yeah I completely agree with you would it be fair to say that one of the skills people need is not being squeamish yes <laughs> although it happens to all of us you know I, when I did my physiotherapy training, we did cadaveric workshops. You know, I probably switched that squeamish button off quite young. But you might need to explain what that is. Uh, so that's actually cadaveric workshops are human bodies that have been donated for, for research and medical knowledge. So we would actually do, you know, anatomical dissections to learn about the different kind of parts of anatomy and muscles and ligaments and joints and tendons. So at the age of 18 that was pretty confronting I have to say with a kind of a mad professor in a lab um, but there's a lot of people that do come into the industry that haven't had any kind of background like that and they definitely you know we go into surgery with them initially when you're the hiring manager and you can see that they've turned a bit pale and but but usually you can get used to it but I think if you are actually a squeamish person no I don't think the actual being in theatre is a role but there's Lots of roles as well in the industry, sales roles, that don't involve being in surgery. 
you know, selling other kind of products to wards or, you know, consumables or whatever it might be that aren't actually in surgery. But if you want to be in surgery, yeah, probably not being squeamish helps. <laughs> I love the thought that down the track you could develop training specifically for that. Yeah, Amelia, we would love, our goal is to actually get our course or, or a bigger version of our course accredited because I think it really, there needs to be a pathway in and almost graduate programs. And there are some existing, particularly within engineering, some graduate programs. But I think on the clinical support and sales side, I'd really love to see that happen. And I'd love to be part of making that happen. Yeah, I think that's a great goal to have because having had that experience at a young age of having a bit of that squeamishness kind of like taken away is probably really beneficial in this industry. Absolutely. And I was even talking to an incredible company the other day that are doing VR technology and they've recreated surgeries and everything through the um, through the vision, you know, VR technology. And, you know, you could even incorporate that into training. So it's not always kind of cadaveric, but there's some high tech solutions out there now for that training to give that real experience of what it would be like in there without actually being in there. And I feel like it's something where definitely better like to weed people out earlier a hundred percent there's no point somebody going into this industry and it's not just on that there's there's a real skill set needed and it's tough it's competitive out there it really is there's a lot of medtech companies and and you know vying for different people's business and you know it is a very unusual mix of skills I think you need um, incredibly rewarding for those that kind of develop those skills and have a natural passion for it too but you know, I think it's good to just be very clear about what the roles are, what they involve and what the expectations are for delivery on them. So people can make a decision, same as they would decide, do I want to be a nurse or do I want to be an accountant? It's clear what those roles are or a YouTuber, whatever it might be, you know, but I think because the industry is unknown, sometimes the roles are unknown and that's what we really do want to uncover for people. Have you got a shout out for us, someone who's doing an awesome job at the moment that you'd like to give a virtual high five to? Yeah, absolutely, Amelia. And I think, look, I'm up in Sydney, but, you know, we ha- we are going through COVID across the world right now and all the incredible nurses and health professionals that are really at the face of things and taking risks for others to protect people's health is incredible. Um, and my co-director, Casey, is stuck down in Melbourne like you, I think, Amelia. So an absolute high five to her for setting this business up with me during a pandemic with her six and eight year old being homeschooled by her. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> I feel like that's a massive thing to have bitten off this year. I think so. I think if we'd have known it was coming, we maybe wouldn't have done it. But you know what? You learn through every process. And I think will come out stronger. Everybody will come out stronger because of this. The world will change. Definitely. So virtual high fives to a whole lot of people there, all our amazing medical people. And of course, your awesome co-director. You're doing great. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us on the show, Tara. It has been a complete education and absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for having me, Amelia. And it's so great to have a platform to talk to people kind of coming into their education and career pathway and, you know, love to be flying the flag for this industry and available for anybody to reach out with any questions. Awesome. You might get taken up on that. You never know. Uh, I'll include some contact details down below. Great. Thank you so much. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, you're an absolute gem of a human being and you should head over to avidresearch.com.au, sign up for our amazing email newsletter and get all the download on the upcoming episodes and maybe even get a bit of a sneak peek about what's coming next. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you should definitely subscribe. We're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify and even Google these days. Thanks. <laughs>